0: Welcome back to Effort Over Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klee, on today's episode, we have Matt Chan, CrossFit Games legend, firefighter, and winner of the Titan Games. I loved talking to him today about his experience going outdoors, hunting, what it's been like being in the fire service getting out of the fire service to work for Q, traveling the world, teaching seminars, and then finding the fire service again, which I really enjoyed. I like talking to Matt about his impact he's trying to make on firefighters and their health and wellness, and I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Before we dive into it, wanna remind you, it's a simple ask. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it gives us insight on what you're looking for for future podcasts. So take a screenshot, Hit me up on Instagram, leave us a rating, leave us a review, would greatly appreciate that. And if you're a gym owner or you're a coach out there and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, our world-class session plans, programming, and business tools that we use at all of our locations worldwide are available to you. Make sure you check out the NC Fit Collective. Now, let's dive into an incredible conversation with none other than the powerful Matt Chan. Let's go. <music> so matt you and i were just uh i don't know is the right word competing is it participating at the rogue legends event what what's the right word to describe our experience at uh the the rogue invitational uh, what like a week
1: well, ago yeah i think my mine's probably even a little different from yours. mine was surviving uh <laughs> <laughs> no man uh i, I think the way I look at that, that was a great opportunity for us to kind of hang out and connect with the community again, which you know you do a great job of that. But I don't, I don't get out there quite as much as you do. So uh, for me, that's a great opportunity to get out there, um, see what the community's up to, hear what hear what they have to say, shake some hands, and uh, man, it was it's just such a blast. Bill and Katie always just go above and beyond.
0: Yeah, man, we, we had a good time. And while we were out there, you and I, we were we were chatting a lot. Uh, in particular, we we're talking a little bit about hunting, which I, I want to talk about because my son definitely has an interest in that. And, uh, you know, we were out there, like you said, connecting with the community. But what did you think about the Rogue Invitational as far as how it compared to a couple of years before? You know, we did a podcast with myself uh, and a couple of guys from our, our work who we were just discussing like my insights on it. But I'm curious, like, what do you think about it compared to in 2019? Remember, we yeah. had a little bit. It was it was a little bit more of a competition. Uh, what are your thoughts compared to this year?
1: Um, well, first of all, I think the fact that it was in Austin was different, right? I mean, I think it was cool to have it in Columbus in 2019 because obviously it was on the rogue grounds and people got to see what rogue is all about for those people who've never been to uh the rogue manufacturing facility and, and retail store. So that's a pretty unique experience to go see the belly of the beast. But, um, you know, Austin was awesome. <laughs> I don't know how you felt about it. I thought it yeah. was badass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they surprised us with the, the cowboy hat and the, and the boots and the, the Stetson and, you know, all that stuff. And I thought that was pretty rad. Just, they, like I said, Bill and Katie, they always put it together and it's always, uh, a surprise and it's just they go above and beyond so that stuff was the, cool yeah do you think the but, competition is going to be more like it was this year or a
0: couple of years ago or do you think it's gonna be different for the legends in the future
1: bro i hope they keep doing it the way they did it this year because uh you know honestly like i'm i'm i think close to 10 years older than most of you guys and it's like i'm 40 i'm going to be turning 44 uh at the beginning of 203 uh 22 and it's it's just getting harder and harder to keep up with you guys so um oh I I know know, I know I I don't know yeah like I want to put on a good show for people and I think the the fun part of what we did this last weekend was um the team element and not only just one team we got to mix it up and and you know get paired with different people and see strengths and weaknesses and you know how we have fun together like you know Chris, Chris Buehler and I have been friends for a long time and we're basically like, like the opposite athletes. So getting to get paired up with him was, you know, it's something that he and I have always, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, doing team stuff like that. And in fact, you remember that competition we did way back in the day, uh, the road
0: versus again, faster. No, a different one.
1: Uh, yeah, this one was down in Texas and I, it had something to do with the, uh, with the, uh uh the UFC, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: I heard you guys talking about that. I did not participate in that, but is that it was that similar to this?
1: It it was, yeah. So Chris and I got paired together for that whole weekend and it was just a blast. And um you know for me it takes a lot of the pressure off to 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 see, you know, that like, hey, this isn't gonna go very well. Like there's both of us have different strengths and weaknesses. So we're just gonna go through this and have a lot of fun. And I mean, everybody that goes to a gym knows that those partner workouts it's kind of like <sighs> I can yeah. I can just let my guard down and have fun,
0: yeah, and so I mean, you talk about being like ten years older than some of the people and and i I get it, but you're still in incredible shape, I mean, you crushed Titan games like what uh two years ago, a year ago, how long was it yeah,
1: last yeah, it was last February, believe it or not,
0: yes, yeah. so, I mean, you're still in incredible shape and you're also active as a firefighter, so I'm curious how have you transitioned? Um, like, does your routine look like right now from a fitness perspective? And then I want to talk obviously about your work and all the different things you're doing, but like from a fitness perspective, I mean, you still are super jacked. You look amazing. And, and for 44, I mean, you're, you're crushing life. So what, what, what is the secret there? What, what, I mean, obviously consistency, et cetera, but what are you doing right now?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's just that consistency. You know, if there was something, if there's some magic pill that you could put consistency in that pill, um, and, and give it to people that they're going to see all the results they want to see. Right. And that's, I think you and I understand that it doesn't really need to take hours upon hours every day. Uh, well, and I was actually thinking about this this morning. Um, you know, I, I follow your Instagram account and I don't, I see you doing things like power snatches and power cleans and stuff like that. And it's funny that once you've established a, um, a a certain skill level at those exercises. You don't need to do them as regularly as we used to. Thank God, right? Because it really does tear up the body when you're trying to lift heavy. I'm pretty certain that I could do a 225 squat snatch any day of the week, um, which is pretty cool considering I haven't done it in two years probably. Yeah, Um, And I think that consistency, what you're doing is you're building those skills and drills and you're touching them from time to time. So that it does stay fresh, but that your body does get a good adaptation every time you try it. <clears throat> so I think, you know, here's here's the big ticket items. So like for me personally, what I've done in the, uh, like the last couple, the few last few years is I've reduced overall intensity. Um, I found that like intensity for intensity's sake on a regular basis, yes, it does get you results that you're looking for, but it also... There's a negative side to that where it does beat up the body and especially your joints um, with high rep Olympic weightlifting, high rep uh, rep deadlifting with a a moderate to heavy load. So you really got to kind of piece that week together uh, where it fits in the best. And for me, that looks like two high intensity workouts that are extremely challenging a week. And then the other probably four days of that week, I'll do some dedicated strength work. I'll do some very low intensity work. Um, and that's something that I never really did before, which was just go long, go slow, uh, work through something that's difficult, you know, because it is so long, but your heart rates at a very low aerobic state for 40 minutes to an hour. And I've come to really enjoy that. And also what I've found is that my body not only recovers better, it responds better. So I do less and maintain more muscle mass than I ever did before.
0: Dude. Isn't that the funniest thing? So in preparation, like, you know, I look at like myself and I look at how much I'm training now, uh, outside of jujitsu, by the way, uh, in particular, just like CrossFit style and compared to how much I used to train. And I used to train so many hours a day as probably you did too. And and now I look at it like I hit a, a you know a, a three fifteen uh, clean and jerk the other day, and I haven't gone heavy like that in a long time. But it's still available, and I, I I wonder if we were exercising just for the sake of exercising, and we were overloading the system too often. And I wonder if we took a step back and looked at the way you just said a couple of days a week high intensity. Let's just say it's anywhere from twelve to twenty minute high intensity workout, or even shorter. Maybe what you're talking about. And then, on a regular basis, some strength lifting, and then maybe incorporate even a little bit more of the bodybuilding side or a little bit of this long slow distance training. I wonder what my fitness would have been five, ten years ago if I had done less but
1: done it better. yeah, uh, I don't know what do you think well I, I think uh you know the cool part about you and i are we're lucky because a lot of the tools that are available to athletes, uh, professional athletes have been made available to you and I um, because of how we came up in the sport of CrossFit, right? We kind of, luckily enough, we're in that era of CrossFit athletes where we established the standards of, of how to train. And, you know, that's evolved over time. And now these guys are, you know, very young and they can do more, um, without, without as much recovery required. And we had tools available to us to kind of track certain things. So like, um, you know, I got introduced to a company called inside tracker years and years and years ago that now has become a mainstream product. That's basically blood testing. And when I first did that test, uh, the, the, their ultimate panel, my testosterone was super low. And I would have thought as much as I was weight training and eating well and and all that stuff, that I would have a a, a pretty high testosterone level. I think at the time it was like 319, uh, which is basically like a hundred points above clinically low testosterone. And what what their recommendation was, was to train less and sleep more. Those two things, train less, sleep more. And I implemented the uh, train, I'm sorry, the sleep more. Component of that, but I did not reduce my training volume at all, and I didn't see any change really in my testosterone. It may have went from three hundred and nineteen to maybe low four hundreds, but once I switched to this idea of like lower intensity, hour long uh, workouts per day, no more than an hour. Like you said, bodybuilding at the end of every single session, never going to failure in any movement whatsoever. Those. Uh, those changes in my training program and then tracking the data with a, a program like that. I've seen my testosterone levels go through the roof compared to where it was at when I was at my best. So. Wow. So is your testosterone
0: you higher at 44, you think than it, than when you were at 35.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. So like, um, this last one, I had a little bit of a downswing. Uh, I just had it tested last week. I had a little bit of a downswing, but I've been, I've had to reduce my sleep, unfortunately, for uh, the work schedule that I have right now. So it went down a little bit, but overall, my trend was going up and up and up. So 300 up to 400 up to 500. And the highest I've been in the last few years was last year at mid 600s. And like I was saying, if I, if you and I had that available to us, uh, that data available to us back in 2008, probably nine, 10, when, you know, training volume became all the rage, um, I think we probably would have been better athletes. Um, we could make better decisions, more informed decisions.
0: That's that's really, really fascinating. Um, so you, you talk about, uh, with your current sleep cycle. So, you know, you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were, you were in fire department, then you pivoted out for a little bit. And you've had a really interesting background, traveling the world uh, with your wife, uh, living in an Airstream. You've done a lot of really cool stuff, right? You've taught tons of seminars for CrossFit. You've probably been to more CrossFit gyms than most people. And then you got back into the fire service, right? So you pivoted out of yeah. fire. You went back, uh, like what, maybe a couple of years ago. Is that right?
1: Yeah, five years ago now, 2017. Five years.
0: 2017. And so now what are you currently, you're at the Academy now. I, I overheard you talking about that at the Rogue Invitational. So how has your career kind of shifted in fire and what are you currently doing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, like you said, and I got hired uh, by North Metro fire in 2007. Uh, and that's kind of where I was introduced to CrossFit because um, somebody, you know, I was having troubles on the drill ground during the Academy in 2007. And It wasn't because I wasn't, you know, gym fit. I was doing. What does
0: the drill, what does the drill ground mean for those of us that aren't familiar? Oh, uh,
1: drill ground basically, uh, when you're in a fire academy, you know, you got a classroom component, which is academic, and then you have a hands on component, um, which is learning the skills and drills of being a firefighter. There's basically like, you know, eight to 10 major tasks that we can be expected to perform on a daily basis. And it's just learning the proficiency through drills on, on the training grounds. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I was just not performing well in a lot of these drills. So it wasn't because I wasn't gym fit. So I was doing the back and bias, chest and tries, cardio and abs after all that stuff. And I was doing great with that. But as soon as I put on my bunker gear and an SCBA, you know, we're talking about 60 to 70 pounds on you in addition to, you know, the normal tasks that you're, uh, that you're doing. I would suffer. I would just be, wouldn't be able to control my heart rate. Wouldn't be able to control my respiratory rate. And somebody mentioned as soon as I, uh, graduated from the Academy, um, the first guy that I worked with, he was like, Hey, you should check out this CrossFit thing. You know, this think, think back to 2007. Yeah. Dot com. You know. Yep. Yep. So I, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot and started doing that. And that was kind of my introduction to that stuff. And, you know, as it progressed, I liked doing this stuff so much that, like you said, I, um, I went to my level one, did a level, uh, two and a level two at that time was now what's considered the level four and, uh, you know, kind of walked through those certifications and, uh, landed a job with CrossFit HQ as a seminar staff trainer, like you did. And, uh, you know, when, when 2012 rolled around, I knew I, I felt really good. I had a, a good coach helping me out, and I, I thought it was an opportune time to really try to win the CrossFit Games. So I walked away from the fire service for a period of time uh, with the expectation of going back. But, you know, as it played out, uh, the career that I had with CrossFit seminar staff, was not only fun, it was lucrative, uh, it was fulfilling because it was giving me an outlet to share my knowledge that you and I built as, as trainers, as CrossFit games athletes with the world at large. And just like you, you know, we were, I was able to travel all over the world. Like you said, with my wife and with Chris Beeler and Eric O'Connor, uh, doing the CrossFit competitors course. And it really took me to some wonderful places, um, that you know, I wouldn't have seen otherwise, like, you know, fell in love with Barcelona, for example, Uh, got to, got to travel to New Zealand and South Korea and China and, you know, all over the world with, with a group of friends that I really love even to this day. So kind of when that uh, started slowing down, um, I found myself kind of looking back to the fire department Um because it was always in my head. Um, and I'll give you, I'll give you a story that Sheree tells. Um, she, knows, she she's like, I know the moment you wanted to go back to the fire service. And we were driving back to our house. Uh, when we lived in Boulder, we lived in the outskirts of Boulder and kind of like unincorporated Boulder. <clears throat> and you had to drive down Canyon Boulevard, which was a very, very narrow two lane uh, road. Um, and there was a cop car in this like mountainous area, there's this cop car up on, on a, uh, uh, embankment. And it's like, what the, as we're driving, we're just both like, what the hell? This is not normal. So we stopped behind this pop- cop car and a whole bunch of people had stopped as well. And there's people getting out of their cars. And, uh, I, I rolled down the window as I pulled off to the side, there was a lady that was right in front of us who came running back to our vehicle. And she's like, there's something wrong with this cop. And I was like, "Is he conscious?" And she's like, "I don't know. He's acting really weird." So I got out of the car. Shri got out of the car with me. We ran up to the vehicle. I looked in uh, in at him, and he's looking at me like you're looking at me right now. Yeah, what's going on? Just kind of like just a strange daze. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Sri, this guy, this guy's not with it. Uh, And we could see there was a there was a house down the road, just like maybe a hundred yards. I was like just, just in case it's like a diabetic issue, just run and grab a soda or orange juice or something from that house and then come back. And then the lady that, uh, tapped on my window, she was still standing behind beside me. So I, I told her stand beside this cop's window and just hold his attention. And I went to the other side and I tried to get in and he, he didn't, he, the doors were all locked. Uh, he didn't respond to me. So I just broke the window and, uh, so how'd you break the window? There.
0: Like, are you, what, 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 what did you use in that instance? Cause I think that's a good learning lesson. Like your elbow, yeah, so are you talking about having no, like a, no. a glass breaker?
1: <laughs> no, no, there was a dude, there was a dude parked uh, off to the side of the road that he had a, uh, uh, like he, he had like a work truck and I could tell that he had some tools in the back. So I just ran over to him. You got, you got a hammer in the back of your, uh, truck. He's like, yeah. So I grabbed the hammer. I broke his window with the hammer and, uh, <laughs> I pulled the, I pulled the keys out. I was just like, I told the lady on the other side, I said, like, watch his hands. If he goes for his gun, just scream. Okay. And I pulled the, the keys out cause he was still in drive oh. and, and, uh, the car or the, the wheels weren't spinning or anything like that, but he was still in drive and the, the vehicle itself, um, was running. So I just reached in, I grabbed his keys and put them in my pocket and I put it in park yeah. And as soon as Shri got back, she comes running back. She's got a, a thing of soda. I hand it to the guy. I'm like, here, just drink this. And he starts drinking He's out of it. Right. This guy's yeah. totally out of it. And he comes
0: right back. No. And like, like, starts- I mean, we're talking like
1: what? Just a low minute? blood sugar. Yeah. 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 Within, within probably like a minute to two minutes and uh, they, uh, he he's pops back and uh, you know, it starts coming to. You. So I was just like, all right, this is just a, a glucose issue. And right then and there, a couple of, uh, or one ambulance and another cop rolls up and, uh, it was, it was a pretty neat uh, experience because I don't think Shree's ever seen me in one of those, uh, scenarios where it's like an emergency call basically. And it just felt natural to me to, to do all these things and to respond in this sort of way. And then to just walk away. And she was like, that was fucking amazing. She's like, <laughs> She's like, You're how did you know to right do? That? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, how how did you know to do that stuff? I was like, I don't know. He just looked like he was a diabetic. And the as we're kind of getting ready to drive away, the the co- the cop that uh, had pulled up afterwards was like, I can't thank you enough. He's a he's a type one diabetic. Um, he does has been having problems with his glucose because he's been exercising differently and stuff like that. And he could have died right there. You know, this that and the other. So she said, you know, to me afterwards, she's like, you need to go to back to the fire service. I was like, yeah, I do. This is, it was, it felt really good to help out in that way. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's the sort of feeling that you get on a daily basis in the fire service. And, you know, it's led me to the point now where um, I want to make every new firefighter feel as good about the job as I do. So uh, an opportunity arose to jump into the fire academy this year, which means teaching new, new hires, kind of the basics to be like those eight to 10 skills I was telling you about to be, uh, proficient or, uh, you know, not only proficient, but excel at those skills, um, as they enter their careers as as a firefighter. And, you know, I'm not a, I, I'm not a genius with that stuff. I'm, you know, I'm still learning the ropes too every day, but, um, you know, my opportunity to pass along uh, not only the the skills and drills of being a firefighter, but also PT every morning I, I'm involved in, I'm not involved. I wrote the PT program for these six departments that are part of our fire consortium. And it's great to see, you know, rather than just trying to trash these guys every day, we're approaching it with a uh, growth mindset where we're building these guys up so that they will have a long, fruitful career based in health and, all the skills necessary to be great firefighters. So that's where I'm at right now, but I'm hoping to promote to a officer position in the next year and doing all the the tasks necessary to kind of line up with that.
0: So for firefighters or law enforcement, so I, I work a lot with the fire and law enforcement as, I mean, not as much as you do, obviously, but you know, in our gyms, we have them all the time. And in jujitsu, I, 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 I rolled jujitsu twice a week with just law enforcement and I find that there's this big gap and and, and it's tough because you, you, firefighters and police have such an important job, but fitness is such a big piece of it. I remember at seminars back in CrossFit, we say, Hey, would you rather have a strong firefighter? Or let's just say you're in the top of the building. Would you rather have someone that's super strong or super good conditioning or a little bit of both? You'd rather have someone with a little bit of both because they'd be able to run to you, pick you up and carry your ass out. And so yeah. I'm curious, like from a, from a lessons perspective, what type of things are you doing with the academy? Cause it really does set the tone to create longevity to this consistency piece that we were speaking about, because I, I imagine there's people, and I've this in the department for uh, law enforcement that we work with here locally. There's people that get in good shape. They're really focused on, okay, I need to be able to do this uh, task, run a mile, do this, 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 this. And then after that, they just let it go by the wayside. And at some of these departments, they don't get tested again for their fitness really ever. And so what type of things are you doing to kind of like, Create consistency and habits that they're going to have for the rest of their lives, not just during the academy. I mean, that's a big focus for you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm lucky enough to be, I was asked to be uh, the head of the, the fitness committee and I'm also on our well being committee. So Hell yeah. I've had, yeah, they're giving me the tools to basically um, uh, have an impact uh, on my own fire department, which is pretty awesome. And I'm trying to build a team that is. Supportive in in that respect, where they can be assets to individual firefighters that reach out for assistance. Um, so I think you know a couple of different things, like you said, uh, having having a <clears throat> a yearly uh, assessment of physical fitness and job performance um, is it's a it's a it's a, it should be a standard. Um, if you can't perform the the job um, through you know those eight to ten ph- uh, physical skills that that you have to do but you shouldn't be on the line unfortunately and that's a controversial um, topic because as you know most fire departments are uh, most firefighters are backed by a union um, the IAFF and uh, the job of the union is to protect all its members and that's even if they're out of shape and they are uh, a, uh, a risk to other firefighters we still have to protect that firefighter's job, so that's where it's like it gets a double issue. It's like it's it's tricky, it really right? Is. Because yeah, so that that's something that you know when you approach the subject of physical fitness, um, it, it is a touchy subject because many firefighters who are you know getting up there in the age categories are are concerned that you're going to try to take their job away from them, and instead, what we're trying to do at North Metro and I think in a lot of the North area fire departments in the Denver area is provide the tools um, that we know people need in order to improve their fitness. And that begins first with an assessment, right? So an annual fitness assessment that is a functional assessment. Um, That's something that we're implementing at North Metro. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, it includes a aerobic capacity test. And then four body functions that we test people's stamina with, and it's moderate weight or body weight only, and they're short exercises so that people can measure where they're at year in and year out and see what areas they can improve on. So for example, push, pull, hinge, and squat, right? Those are our four major body functions. Um, Some people argue that twisting is a body function as well. Great. Um, Those are the four (laughs) we test. Right, right. Those are the four we test, though. And what's cool is the tests are are very simple. They're not anything that. Um, but I'll just give you an example. Uh, you can download a, uh, a metronome app for your yeah for like your phone. Ding, 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 yep, yep, yep. And, and you can set uh, set the uh, metronome to eighty beats a minute, and you perform pushups for as many reps as you can on the metronome. So down, up, down, up, down. And you're really, uh, you'd be surprised. Like you kind of think of that. It's like, oh, let's do 50. Let's do, you know, 60, maybe at the most, it's a really low number because there's more time under tension. Yeah. So, it's
0: like ding, ding, ding. The Metrodome yep. is a great tool. Um, I was talking to Chris Hinshaw actually about my son's running technique. Uh, it, it, he's, he's just like a brute, just like, yeah. and I'm trying to get we'll him figure. to be a little bit, Yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to get him to be a little bit lighter, a little bit faster on his feet. And so he's recommending to use a metrodome as well. And so, uh, but that's really, that's an interesting one. So what do what do people, what's a good goal? Like if someone sets a metrodome to 80 beats per minute, what would be a good goal? 20, 30. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd say it's somewhere between like 20 and 35. I think okay. that's a pretty good goal. And, uh, you know, chest touches the ground, um, when you do it and then arms are fully extended at the top. So that's kind of the standard, but point being, if you've got these four functions and you test them every year. And you see one of them is slipping. So let's just say the push-up is the one that, hey, I went from 35 last year down to 30 this year, but all the other ones went up. Well, that could make sense if you review your training catalog of what you've done over the last year. Hey, I did a lot of squatting and deadlifting. So of course I'm going to be better at those things, but maybe I neglected the push function. So that could give you an idea. Okay, I need to add that in there at least once a week to try to get back with the ground that I lost. Um, so that's, that's one aspect of kind of, I think what the firefighting community needs is a physical fitness assessment. And they also need a job performance assessment. Are they capable of performing the job and what physical fitness things do they need in order to continue to perform the job? Yeah. Because those two things tie together, right? It's when you're
0: almost going to catch it early, right? You're doing almost like an annual report card, where there's no like judgment. It's just like, Hey, this is your annual report card let's evaluate but at least then you're catching it early so you don't wait 5 years and not even be able to do a push up right at yes. least you can recognize that now and then start working towards it as an example
1: right so that that kind of leads me to like the the other thing we're trying to implement is okay so what happens if you do see a slip in a certain area of physical fitness or maybe you fall into the last category of time for your job performance assessment that is meets minimum standards okay if you're in that meets minimum standards, that should make you nervous if you've got five years to go, because there's a good chance that you might not meet those minimum standards in the next five years. So let's stretch your job out a bit longer by addressing those things in your physical fitness. So what we want to do is provide that uh, coaching element from our fitness committee that you can reach out to one of three people on shift and get an idea of what you can do on a daily basis at the fire department uh, or or at home um, to improve your fitness and extend your career. So we're, we're currently working on building those tools out um, so that not only do, not only do firefighters know that that service is available, but also um, that the firefighters that are on the fitness committee, they have the resources and the understanding and knowledge base to put together a very simple program for those people. And you know, again, coming back to the idea of CrossFit, you know, we were evaluating the different uh, certificate courses, accredited certificate courses that are available um, on the marketplace today. And it's hard to, it's hard to blow off uh, the CrossFit level one and level two.
0: Dude, they're phenomenal courses.
1: Phenomenal. And I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think that they are, I think they do need to update some of the, the uh, information that they're they're passing along, um, you know, but at the same time, I do feel like it gives coaches a good understanding of what the expectations should be for building a program, especially for firefighters, right? Mm -hmm. That that GPP program is really where it's at. Yeah. Building a program, executing the program and seeing results. So like, that's really what it comes down to. And then learning how to scale, right? So that's a big, like, these guys are not going to do power snatches. They're not going to do squat cleans. They're not going to do handstand pushups. So what does that look like for these guys? Do they even need to do handstand pushups or kick upside down? Probably not. But if they get interested in that in the future, I want the firefighters to have a, a resource to go to, to say, Hey, I'm interested in doing this. Can you show me how to do it?
0: Yeah. We've been having that discussion a lot actually at NC fit is, you know, we have a variety of different programs we provide. And one of them, you know, a lot of our programs don't have complex movements and I'm curious, you know, what, what the trajectory looks like of someone who got into CrossFit 10, 15 years ago, how have they evolved and what, what type of training are they doing? Like, I mean, you said it yourself, you could probably still do a full snatch really well, but like, when's the last time, aside from like the rogue Invitational and stuff, when's the last time you did a kipping or a handstand pushup before that?
1: Uh, it had been at least, I think the last time I did a handstand pushup was the last open that I participated in, um, which I believe was 2018. So what is that? Three years ago. Yeah. It's Um, quite a while. And I just don't see the, I I don't see the point of it for me personally. I, every time I do it, my neck gets lit up. I've had shoulder issues because I've had a a nerve problem in my neck. It's just not worth it. So, you know, the fact that they were strict handstand pushups, uh, during, during the, the rogue invitational. I was like, okay, yeah, I can get that yeah. done because it's, I can share the the load with Chris. Chris is going to do basically all <laughs> my hands. Yeah.
0: Chris will do, you know, two to everyone. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, obviously I, I think we all see eye to eye and how training has just shifted and evolved. And I think what you're doing for the fire department, by the way, is like, Super valuable because if you're not coming at it in a malicious intent, you're actually trying to extend these guys' careers ultimately oh, yeah. and put them in a better position to be happy and, and, you know, healthy once they, they finish their, their careers. So
1: yeah, Jay, Jay, this is, this is something that's, um, it's difficult to approach with a lot of firefighters because again, they are self-conscious about their fitness level. They have, uh, they have self-doubt. About what they're capable of now, so it's a very difficult subject to kind of approach. And not to mention, we're all alpha types. So, like, you know, most of these guys, they don't want to look stupid in front of their peers. And you know, when when you roll out an air bike and say, "Hey, this is what we're going to do," right away, they're just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. You guys can do that. That sounds like something you should do." Um, but as soon as you get them in into like, Hey, listen, we don't have to go super hard. You can just get on it and do your 10 calories and then I'll get on it and you go whatever pace you want. And when you start to break down those barriers, um, not all, I mean, we all experience it in CrossFit gyms, you know, it's just, there's this feeling of, uh, camaraderie and Shared suffering, uh, achievement. Camaraderie,
0: yeah. hundred percent. And, and, and so you've, you've kind of pivoted right back into fire service, which I think has been amazing to see, but also now you guys are in Denver and you traveled the country, so I have to ask, how long were you on the road for in the airstream?
1: Yeah, uh, it was all of 2013. So we a put full a, year. A full year. Yeah, full year.
0: And how many states did you actually uh, go to?
1: Uh, pretty much all of the western U.S. Um, from Colorado west, so you know, New Mexico, Arizona, California, up the California coast. We spent Oregon, time in Washington, Nevada. Yeah. The whole, and even Canada, we went into Canada for quite a while. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, if, uh, unfortunately we were working, I, I say, unfortunately, we were blessed to be working for uh CrossFit seminar staff at the time. Um, and, and enjoying the hell out of it. But, uh, that really kind of squashed a lot of the fun in the Airstream Because we would have to be in a city, um, you know, you you remember, so basically the way the CrossFit seminar staff worked was we would get booked out at least a month or two in advance. So when we were in the Airstream, we would have to provide an airport that we were going to be flying out of a month in advance, basically. So if we were enjoying a place and we didn't really want to leave, like there was one time we were down in Portland, Oregon, and we had to drive up to uh, Vancouver, uh, Canada because we needed to make a flight from there. Oh, but you really,
0: but out of all the places you went to, which one stood out to you? I mean, you, you ended up in Denver. So is that what, I
1: mean? Yeah. So we ended up in Boulder back actually after the trip. And, uh, and it was, uh, Colorado is a beautiful place. I know you've spent time here. Um, the, the summer months are incredible. They're so good. And then of course, you know, everybody knows about the great skiing in Colorado and, it's just, it's hard to beat for me because I love getting sunshine in my eyes. I love, you know, spending time building experiences with Sheree and friends. And there's just so many opportunities to do that here. And, uh, and, you know, we've really established roots here. That's what it comes down to. But I'd say outside of Colorado, the, the areas that I probably enjoyed the most were Vancouver um, Canada, I thought it was absolutely fantastic city and so much outdoor stuff, just a oh. short drive away. Um, and then, you know, personally, I, this is going to sound crazy, but I really like Las Vegas. Um, you like Las Vegas.
0: Oh, you're trying to go but, down and go gamble or what?
1: No, no, no. no so I like, kidding. I'm kind of a fat ass. So I like, I like, uh, the, the buffets and all that stuff, but, but reality, <laughs> they you have like the great biking right? outdoors. Yeah, yeah. They have great outdoor opportunities out there. So like there's, there's not only great hunting in Nevada, there's great mountain biking, great climbing, world-class climbing even. And, uh, the weather is so good for most of the year that you can be active outside whenever you want. You can just got yeah. to fight find the right area.
0: Well, I mean, speaking of being outdoors, I mean, you're you, you mountain bike, you climb, you hunt, you, you are basically outdoors. I'd say if you're not working, you're probably outdoors. I imagine. So what got you interested in this idea of hunting? Because did you grow up hunting or did you just
1: get into it? No. Um, yeah. So that's actually interesting. That was, you know, you and I had a, uh, a mutual sponsor at the time it was Progenix and, um, they linked me up with, uh, the one and only Shane Dorian. Yes. And, Bo- Cause he's I got- big
0: into bow hunting, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and he came up with the idea to uh, fly down to the Big Island and try bow hunting uh, with some uh, wild boar. Oh. He said that he had land that uh, we could access and and gave it a shot. And so I bought a cheap bow and and just you know see if I would like it. And flew down there, got to meet Shane and and spend a lot of time with him and his family. And it was really a great experience. And even though boar hunting really wasn't uh, super exciting to me. Um, because you know, they're not delicious animals for first of all, but the, the hunting idea appealed to me, like being outside in the quiet, no cell phone with your friends and family and the experience of just sitting still for a day was amazing. And I came home and I decided, all right, you know what? I'm going to keep trying this stuff. I'm going to try it on my own. And I'm going to see if I can find some mentors that I work with that can kind of show me the ropes of this stuff. And that's kind of like what you and I were talking about at the, uh, at the uh, rogue invitational is like, you know, it's helpful to have somebody show you, you know, the basically what you don't know. Right. Right. And the roads and the road to becoming proficient. And, uh, you know, I wish I had somebody that was there with me all the time during those first bunch of years, because I'm finally understanding what it takes to be a good backcountry hunter.
0: And so what does that mean? So like you, you enjoy the outdoors, no phone, be with friends and family, but like, I am at, there's so many ways you could take hunting. There's a lot of myths and, and, and people kind of frown upon it, but there's a whole art to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole big thing. It's, it's more than what meets the eye. Right. I mean, hunting is an art form, right? I mean, uh, Tell me more about like the evolution, right? you start off, you go to Hawaii, you, 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 uh, hunt a pig and with a bow, which mm-hmm. by the way, that sounds frightening depending on where you're stationed at, because those things do just look mean as hell. And then how did yeah. it evolve from there?
1: Uh, well, I, you know, again, I was living in an unincorporated Boulder at the time and you had access to public lands and I just took that same bow and I just kind of headed out got myself a deer tag that first year. I didn't even bother with an elk tag. And, uh, I went out into the, the national forest and luckily enough, I connected with an animal that first year. I got, I, I shot a, uh, uh, just a little forky, uh, buck, which is just basically like a two points on each side, um, somewhat immature buck. And, uh, I shot him from 40 yards away with my bow and he ran maybe a hundred yards, fell down and died. And I brought it home and Shree and I ate that animal for the next few months. And it was an amazing experience connecting with your food. And I think that's what really draws me and, and, and Shree as well to the idea of hunting is, you know, I, I became, I re, I became kind of like keenly aware of my ignorance of where my food was coming from Yo. and you know what I'm saying? Just like the factory yeah. meat. So this was an opportunity for me to not only connect with my own food and, and, and see the whole process, but also, you know, honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I feel like this is going to sound lame, but I feel like more of a man. I feel like I, I, I can provide if I needed to in any way we had, we have a garden, we have, you know, that, that source of food coming in. I kill two to three animals per year and that's enough to feed us for an entire year. And that's something I feel proud of. Like the fact that Sheree and I can be self-sufficient and also have good, high quality food coming in that we are the ones that that harvested that. Yeah. So, so, so that's you, the big thing.
0: I mean, it's huge. Uh, and that's one, one of the things that intrigues my son in particular, right? Is finding out where your food comes from and, and growing from there. So did, how did you shift from, uh, bow to rifle. And do you have a preference on either? Is there, cause bow seems like more sporty, but bow, bow yeah. seems more of an art form than a rifle, but I don't mean any disrespect to either one of them. I'm just, I'm an outsider just looking in.
1: Yeah, no, th- I get that. Um, they're both difficult. I'm not going to lie. So like, you know, right now, uh, I think the hardest part of hunting is understanding how to attain a tag. So, you know, even talking to rich, uh, at the rogue invitational, he's been hunting in, uh, Colorado now for two years. Um, but, but doesn't understand the whole process where, you know, in order to get into a unit that has a higher density or a a larger elk population, you need to have points built up over a, a number of years in order to get into that unit. So that's the really hard part of it. So what bow hunting allows you to do is get into those more desirable units for a longer duration of time. The, in Colorado, archery season is one month. And then each of the rifle seasons, the subsequent rifle seasons are only one week. So to me, because I am local to Colorado, because I am local to some of the areas that I enjoy hunting, I want to go out for as long as possible because it's not just about, you know, harvesting an animal. For me, it's about being out in the outdoors from sun up until sundown with the people that I know and love and just sitting in the grass, sitting in dirt and, and really just experiencing life from a, a completely polar opposite to, to what I'm used to. So I enjoy uh, archery season because of that, but um, I also like the meat. So rifle season, you could argue is easier. It just opens up uh, what you're able to shoot at because you can shoot. I I feel comfortable shooting up to 300, maybe 400 yards at the most. Whereas if I'm shooting with a bow, I'm comfortable shooting at 70 yards and that's it. And that's got to be perfect. Right. So, so we're talking like close quarters, elk yelling in your face and literally setting your heart rate through the roof because you're, you're hearing them yell so loud that it's, it's frightening. So, um, you're just, yeah, sitting, it's,
0: it's, it, it's a whole, I mean, it's a whole thing, right? Because you're, you're taking hours and hours and hours to go find this animal and then you find right. it. I imagine your heart reaches. Poof, and then,
1: <laughs> Oh, it's but, crazy. Jay, yeah. dude. It's so, it's so weird because it's like you, you you think you've been in them for like, or, you know, you think you're like walking around and you're like in the area that they are. And then as the day wears on, you start to think to yourself, you're like, man, they ain't here. Right, these goddamn, these goddamn ghost animals, I never see them. What the hell? Right. right. And then in a fraction of a second, just in a fraction of a second, you're right on top of one. And it's just like, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> it's, it's the oddest thing. You know, I mean, you know where they're at because you can hear them, but it's just so infrequent that it actually, you have that encounter. Like I would say this year for the first two weeks, we had three encounters. That's it. For two full weeks. And you were out there every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So when, when the time comes, are you ready? Are your skills ready? Can you remain calm? Can you remain patient enough to get a good shot to kill this animal? Um, and then the real job begins to apply your fitness. If you do harvest that animal, well, now it's a race on the clock because during archery season, it's hot as hell. So you need to get the animal field dressed and then you need to get it on ice before it starts to go bad. So if you're three miles into the backcountry carrying an elk out, I've only done this once, um, but I was three miles out and shot an elk with my bow. I was by myself. I quartered up and dressed, dressed the animal and I had to start carrying it. So I made uh, two full trips So think basically 12 miles and, uh, I, I carried about a hundred to 125 pounds each trip. What? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we're talking, and and I had a buddy that met me at the trailhead to help me on on the second trip and it was brutal. I, I I can't overestimate that if you think you're ready for this, I really, I, I, I think you should put 125 pounds in a, in a backpack and just make sure you're ready for this because it is a monumental task and you do not want to a waste good meat, but also B you want to honor that animal, um, because you are taking a life, right? So part of, part of, you know, really honoring that life is using every piece of that meat and not letting it go bad and making sure that, um, you know, you keep it clean and that you keep it away from bears and all that stuff. So it's a fucking physical task. And I can't tell you how, I was, how shocked I was, how hard it was. But once I got everything to the, the, the van, it was one of the biggest achievements I've ever had in my entire life. It was just like, I did it. I shot a bull elk uh, with, with a bow and arrow. And I, we, Sheree and I just finished that meet this year, almost two years later, Wow. Dude, yeah, I was amazing. I,
0: the passion you have for it is strong too and I think that I see that in my son and that's why we want to continue to explore it. I wanted to ask you definitely before we uh you know move on and you you kind of go do your thing and get back to work and life. I want to ask you about the Titan games and how that experience was similar, different than the CrossFit games. I mean, obviously there's a, there's some similarities, I guess, but it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a big difference. I mean, one is a TV show. One is yeah. the, you know, uh, a test of fitness, et cetera. So how was that experience? I mean, I asked you before about the rock. You're like, dude, he's huge. But then you see uh, Brian Shaw as a, as a, as a, you know, I mean, I came home and people were asking me about how big the strongmen were. I was like, they're very big. Like, you don't understand how big they are. They're massive. How does the rock compare to some of those guys?
1: Yeah. So like, you know, you and I, like we would see them in the hallways at the, uh, at the uh, rogue invitational you kind of have to move out of the way. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like, Jesus, here he comes. Yeah. Uh, the, the rocks like that too. Uh, the difference is, is that, you know, those guys, they have mass just to move mass. Right. Whereas the rock is more aesthetically, you know, he's a bodybuilder and uh, therefore he's, he's very lean and, I mean, he's just thick. The dude is—he's tall. He's—I think he's six four. Um, he's probably two seventy-five, if I had to guess. And it's just a mountain of muscle. So that you know, the Rock was awesome. He was accommodating. He—he he made us all feel welcome and special every time we saw him. But it was—it was a—it was, was a Hollywood experience. It was unlike the CrossFit Games, where everybody was at the CrossFit Games is always focused on the competition. Some people get caught up in the media side of the CrossFit games, and those people generally do not do that well um, because competing at your highest level requires 100% focus. And you know this, and I know this. Um, but you know, when you're like when I look at back, there, there was 2013, uh, I kind of I was joking around with media and stuff like that. I wasn't as focused on the competition as I should have been, and therefore I did not finish very well. Right, so I think the difference with the Titan Games and the CrossFit Games was the amount of focus I had to put into the competition. I didn't really need to focus for the competition. Um, I just needed to go out there and do my thing and rely on my phys- uh, physical fitness and my experience competing at the Titan Games. Right? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. Most of yeah.
1: The, most of those people did not have experience competing in an individual format on that sort of stage. Whereas I knew what I had to do. I knew how to execute it. I knew how to strategize for certain workouts based on, you know, whether I was going head to head with somebody or whether I was doing my own race. And that experience from the CrossFit Games and from a lifetime of competing in swimming and water polo and stuff like that, that played into how well I did at the Titan Games. But like you said, entirely different from CrossFit games entirely yeah. different.
0: It's funny how those experience, you know, I'm competing in jujitsu here in like two weeks. And, uh, you know, anytime I get ready for a jiu-jitsu tournament, I just rely on the, all the other previous, uh, competition experience I have, because it carries over really well. And like you said, I mean, when you're, cause you, when you have those nerves, you got to learn how to control them. I mean, uh, there's no, um, substitute for just going out there and at least like, you know, put, putting yourself in those positions. Cause over time you do get better. You learn how to compete better, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah without a doubt. And that's a skill that um you know you see a lot of crossfit games athletes they make it one time uh, or two times and they they just they never finish that well because they never learn the skill of actual uh, actually competing, right? And there's a difference between, you know, uh 321 go in the open uh in the crossfit open that is and 321 go at the crossfit games. You can't restart the workout in the crossfit games. You have to be ready, even if you're not ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And whereas the open, you could redo that workout as many times as you need to in order. Oh, you know, I tripped up on my double unders in the first three minutes. You know what? I'm just going to redo the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I used to put myself in a position where I would only do them once because of exactly that. I wanted to put myself in that mindset. I wanted to tell you, uh, before we hang up, you, one of the things that you told me years and years ago, I'm sure you've heard me say this, maybe you and I were getting ready for compete for team USA in 2011. I want to say it was 11 and boy, we had a hell of a time. Remember that one in London? Oh Oh, man. We had a hell of a time, but I remember this so distinctly and it really impacted our business. And so I want to thank you. We were driving. I, I, I want to know if you remember this. We were in Malibu, we were driving and my phone rings and I answer it. And it was from a prospective member of the gym. And I remember I was relatively short with this person and so I hang up with this person. I I, I service them. Okay. But whatever. I, I hung up. You're like, who's that? I was like, Oh, it was a new member potentially. Uh, you know, I like to answer the phone each time a new member calls in, this is 2011. And I'll never forget. You just say to me, you're like, Hey man, like you didn't do a very good job with that lead. And it basically just totally called me out about how I was distracted. I was focused on team USA and I wasn't doing a good job and I needed to learn how to delegate. And I don't know if you remember that the same way I do, but that was instrumental in our business because it really it really brought to life that I need to learn how to delegate more because here I was focused on you, focused on Team USA, focused on competing, and I wasn't focused on the new lead. And what I should have done is just had someone else answer that lead to service them better, to hopefully get them in the gym and hopefully change their life through fitness. And you're the one that sparked that in me. So I just wanted to thank you.
1: Well, thanks, Jay. You know, I mean, I think the the, the cool opportunity that you and I have, especially you, you know, I mean, you, you, you see so many new people and you meet so many new people, um, is to leave a, uh, a person with a positive experience from the very first time. Right. And, and when, when I do remember that, and I remember feeling like listening to you, just like you were rushing them to get back to our conversation. And I just remember thinking to myself that it was like, it's like, man, this is the first time this guy's just talked to that person. I can wait. I'm, you know, I'm going to be here all day. Like he needs to give that, that really, because, because I was a gym owner, you know, I mean, I know what it's like. It's, you have everybody pulling you in every direction at all times. And all of you feel like it all falls on your shoulders. And that can be true in all sorts of aspects of life. Um, Gym owner, or, you know, just everyday Joe or firefighter, whatever. I try to now like on a regular basis, try to just make sure that every interaction I have with people is a positive one. Um, and I'm not blowing people off and I'm guilty of this too, Jay. Like, honestly, like back in the day, like, you know, I, I let my head get bigger than it should have been. And you know, I'm, I'm nobody I'm, I'm nobody special. What I should have been doing is just making sure that every interaction I had at all times with every single person, I ditch the phone. I'm not looking down at my phone. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to rush out of the, the store where I'm having a community, uh, an, an experience with somebody or, uh, if I see him at the rogue invitational, whatever, we can have such a positive impact and leave it, uh, people in a positive mental state about us or about the, the, the community. And, you know, I take that pretty seriously now and I know you do too. So, you know, hats off to you for not getting pissed off at me and saying no, that to you. It,
0: was, <laughs> it was great, man. It taught me this idea, one interaction, one engagement, one time and you, like you said, you always leave them with a positive impact. I mean, a member is one bad experience away from never coming back in or, or, or even a friend or whoever it is. And, yeah. uh, that was super profound for me so much so that here I am what 10 years later talking about it. So thank you Crazy. for that. Uh, and do that, that story that you talk about with Sheree, that was a good story too. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your insight from the firefighter perspective. And I look forward to, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know if the word's competing, Participating in the Legends yeah. competition with you for a long time to come. Uh, for anybody listening who wants to know more about Matt Chan, all the different things you have going on, in the sense of like, dude, you're a really great example of someone who, you know, focuses on fitness, but also uses that fitness in so many different ways, right? Getting outdoors, your job, your profession, et cetera. Uh, how can they find out more about you and what you have going on?
1: Yeah, probably the easiest way is just to go out to, uh, you know, Instagram is so superficial. You know that. And I know that. Um, kind of creates a, uh, uh kind of like, uh, not a very not real experience with somebody, but you know, Hey, that's probably the easiest way to connect. So at Matt one Chan, um, my training program is at train train underscore FTW. Those, those two things that I'm involved in most publicly. So, uh, you know, happy to interact with you guys as much as possible.
0: Love it, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get back to the outdoors, whatever you have going on today. And, uh, I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, Jay. Thanks.